You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today we have a friend of the show back on. We have Jim Ronquist from Rich and Tone. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Claude. Hey, yeah, man. Glad to have you back. Now that uh, this will be your second time on, we can consider you the friend of the show and uh, hopefully have many more of these. But first thing we wanted to talk to you about, um, just kind of, you know, catch up, do a little, uh, hey, how was duck season last year? Kind of let our audience know what what you saw last year and kind of how your hunting went. And, you know, I know you're out there filming the show all the time, so you're, you spend a lot of time in the field and a lot of time traveling. But overall, you know, how was your duck season last year? You know, that's a good question, Chris. And, and everybody the past two or three duck seasons, it's been all over the board. You know, most folks talking about it being bad. But most folks I've talked to last year, they said it was certainly better than the year before. And for me, it was I had a decent year. I'm not going to say it was just great every time. Um, but it was I had a decent duck season. I had good ducks. I had some good hunts here at home. Um, all of our road trips turned out pretty good. Um, the ones, one trip was going to make a really cool show. We, we didn't quite get the hunts we wanted to, but we was kind of doing something else. So it's going to make a unique show. Um, spent some time with some DU folks from out there and just in Nebraska. So I, I can't get, I don't know if anybody's keeping up with TV or not. Um, we're fixing to be in week three already. Um, their first episode was in Missouri. Our second one was a stall goose hunt in uh, Manitoba, I think. And coming up this week's episode will be um, Manitoba, uh, I mean Kansas and Missouri. So everything went went really well. Um, again, you know, there's a few could have done maybe better, but overall, man, I can't really kick. Can't really kick. Hopefully, this year will be even better. Yeah, no, I I remember I ran into you. Uh... What was that? that? Was like the first week in November, and uh, ran into you up there in Missouri, and uh, you said you had some some pretty good shoots. So that's exciting. I know that time that I was up there, it was it was pretty fantastic. We we hit it right on the head. Right there around Veterans Day, there's always seems to always be a push that time of year. That's right. It was it was, and we had that that big snow. I think we ended up, you know, I got caught in the snow driving up there and it get stuck in St. Louis for a night. But uh, it was about eight or nine inches they got right in that right that. Veterans Day weekend. It was it was perfect conditions. It was, and you know what's ironic about that? The way the winter warms back up, and you, you, we talk about last year's duck season and weather patterns. We had a hunt scheduled that we had donated that we was going to do in the St. Charles County area. You know, there's a lot of old school, very historical duck clubs in that part of the world near the confluence of the Illinois and Mississippi. Well, we we had to cancel the first part of the trip and go on the Iris because it cold froze up and their ducks left and we didn't have nowhere to hunt. So we went on to uh, um, 
on up to ours and it worked out really good. We just had some extra days up there. But ironically, we was froze out the first part of November and then by the end of duck season, it was warm again. So, man, you just don't know. And that's the thing is you never know how it's going to shake out. I mean, we, uh, you know, I personally, I had, a, I had a pretty decent duck season last year. It wasn't great. But I think, you know, like you said, most people you talk to had a good duck season, but they were also comparing it to the year before. And if you're going to compare it to the year before, you know, it didn't didn't take much to make a better duck season. No, no, not at all. So I, I think everybody – give everybody a little better feeling. And then looking into this year, you know, who knows, um, hearing mixed reports from the breeding grounds, um, interesting not having having the BPOP this year, you know, and, and all, all that. But we're still getting some information from folks on the ground in the prairies. I know Saskatchewan, Southern Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan sounds kind of dry, but the Dakotas sound like they're going to produce some ducks, as is part of Alberta and Manitoba. So, I I don't know. It's looking like we may have some decent production this year, at least maybe average. What what are you guys telling you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, we just came out with our July-August issue and our field reports in there. It, it It's showing, yeah, I mean, southern Saskatchewan was a little dry. Um, I think our biologists, even our chief scientists, you know, I talked to him last week a little bit, and he was mentioning that, you know, the production level in Canada will be, you know, moderate. It's not terrible, but it's not good. You know, they're very cautious to mention, you know, to really lay it out there. Um, but but I think everyone's really optimistic about the production in the U.S. Um, the Dakotas were wet. Um, they're still getting rain, which is surprising. I mean, they've they've been pretty wet, and I think production there is really good. Um, our walk, our Chief scientist was talking last week that, you know, with some of that late rain, it's really good for brood raising. And and that's kind of you know, a very key element in duck production. And and so they were a little excited about that. And I think just that little bit of information gives us a little bit of optimism as, it you know, we're optimists in general as duck hunters anyway. So, uh, hey, man, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Duck hunters are the eternal optimists. That's right. We got an excuse for everything. Yeah, that's right. And and how was your uh, how was your season in Arkansas? You know, pretty decent here. Um, you know, we had good water in the bottoms. We had plenty of room for people to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish those weather fronts that we had early in the season would have kept coming. Yeah. Um, I think it'd have been even better. Um, but we did okay here at home on both. You know, my public ground hunts were had pretty good strength, and then uh, had getting hunts and private stuff had had some pretty good ones man had some again i it it wasn't my best duck season ever but if i had to take another one just like it this year i'd be happy to sign up for it right now yeah just let it fall you know um so i can't i can't again i I, of course i always want a little better weather more than cold fronts you know especially when you got good water um I like it to get cold but if you got a dry year you don't want it to get too cold and it freezes up your other stuff you get to hunt but you know how that goes. Oh yeah, I mean if you're if you're asking for uh, more water and and you know more water in the river, but but you want it colder right now. I mean, I, to be honest, we 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 get pretty picky about about mid December to mid January. We're pretty picky about the conditions we're asking for, and and a lot of times we're just um, I'm just happy to get out. To be honest, you know we all should keep keep that in mind. Just getting the opportunity to go and. The ability to go is worth a lot. It ain't always about how many. Um, 
it's about getting the opportunity and, and able to play the game and how you play it is what counts. Um, you know, people need to take their how many hats off and just go hunt. Absolutely. No, I, you know, we had that conversation last time we had you on the podcast about just the, the attitudes towards, um, hunters have, you know, it's not all about filling your bag limit all the time. I mean, you know, we get so stuck in that mentality. Uh, people tend to start leaning towards how many they shot rather than just out there having a good time. And I see people get competitive with it. And, you know, next thing you know, people are fighting at the boat ramps and it's a total disaster. So, uh, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let us know, uh, you know, I know you got some new calls. We ran them in our new guns and gear issue. Uh, we've kind of gone back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Tell Thanks. us a little bit about the new calls. I know you got one, um, the, the rock and R, correct? Yeah, yeah, the Rock and R is something I'm kind of proud of. It, it, it's it, it's it's certainly part of R and T, but it's kind of, of course, the Mondo I had a big part of. But um, it's pretty much all mine. Uh, come up with kind of a new shape, kind of. It, it's it's like it's very like a Mondo. It's based off a modified D2 Oak, um, with some of the ways that I like one to be. Um, for example, I opened up the mouthpiece where the mouthpiece is tapered. You can change air presentation up. It's a little different deal. Um, put a little tapered bore in the stopper, the end piece, to try to wrangle just a little bit more volume out of it. Um, not a lot, but it also kind of loosens the call some. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really tickled with, the, you know, how it all turned out based off my sketch. And I, I, I'm doing good to write my name, let alone draw something. <laughs> so then I kind of I give the idea to Johnny in the sketch, and then John took it and – he cleaned it up from there, the drawing for us to, you know, start building off of. And, and I'm really tickled with it from the first run series we got out. We had a lot of good response and getting some response with it now with people asking about it. So um, it's going to start shipping in August. Um, I think they're taking orders now. I know this week I'm in and out some, but starting next week, I, I'm going to be slammed in the tenant room. So. I'm a pretty cool, pretty tickled with the rock and R. It's going to be fun. Along with it, we also come out with another Mondo model, kind of based off the way John likes a Mondo to blow or that style call. Made some changes on it to kind of give it a unique, very unique sound and its own unique personality. And I think it's going to do well. And the funny thing, or funny thing, a fun part of duck calls and duck calling for the individuals, especially the call maker, is you build stuff that people like to use or that they're comfortable with. You know, all ducks got different voices. Like we got all these different duck calls and folks will ask, why do you have so many different models? Well, that's why. Cause some people may like this a little bit or have more confidence in this direction versus that direction. Now, they may feel better about this sound than that sound. And quite honestly, um, when working ducks, calling ducks, as you well know, I'm not one to aspire to take many duck calls. I normally carry two. I may have extra stuff in my pocket, especially if I'm prototyping something, you know, from just my job. But as far as just going hunting, two duck calls is plenty. But that being said, I want them different enough because some days ducks will respond to one sound better than the other, I think. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, just a a quick question on the Rock and R. I mean, how difficult is that for someone to tune or is that something that, you know, you're like – someone just right out of the box, are they, can they kind of tweak that and tune that? And how would they go about doing that? Um, if they're trying to tune it, cause like you said, you want it to how each individual caller, you know, 
prefers. Um, is that right. something that they can do and how easy is it, is it to do, you know, kind of explain that process. You know, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Cause you know, it's going to be difficult for us in, the, in this COVID thing um, on how to go about it. But, you know, that's something we're really big on here. So if somebody comes in our shop and buys a duck call, I like to be able to sit with them and set the call up for them, mm-hmm. especially on, especially a Mondo or Rockin' R, um, one of them, because, you know, there's a lot of room for adjusting. And, and those type calls, the people aren't used to them, they tend to blow a little different. So it's sometimes harder for folks to figure it out. That being said, when you get one out of the box, if you're if you're uh, really really used to blowing duck calls, you shouldn't have any trouble with it. Um, again, the Mondo or the cut down style calls will operate a little differently. But if you find that you got a call that's too hard to blow, take just a very fuzz snip off the reed. I'm talking the width of a hair makes a big difference. Oh, really? Um, and it, yes, you, you just this. If I'm really dialing one in, I mean just uh, two hairs is way too much and one hair sometimes ain't quite enough you know it just and that's based on the individual or me back to when i was born contest or even my hunting calls when i want them just right man it, it's pretty small pretty finite in adjusting that first thing i'd recommend to people is take your time and learn how to operate the call and get comfortable with it and then if you need to adjust it Get by here. We'll try to adjust it for you. Or two, if you have to make it easier to blow, take just a fuzz off the reed. If it needs to be harder to blow, we always pack extra reeds in the box, add to it just a little bit. And the best thing to do is use the reed that's in there as a template. And if you need to be harder, just cut it a fair bit longer and just barely work your way back till you get it right. Now, is that something that that you guys have done and, and will do? Uh, via mail. So let's say someone lives in Maryland and wants to ship their call to you, then hop on the phone with you. And, you know, do you guys do that or, or is that, is we that do. a process? Okay. We do. I think that we got a protocol now with the COVID deal that we let them set for a certain amount of time, you know, try to disinfect them and, you know, cause you're kind of working in other people's spit, you know? So, um, that being said, um, you let them dry off and get them as clean as you can and then move forward from there. Um, but yeah, we do offer that for sure. And try to talk to somebody on the phone. The hard part is that even between callers, some people, what they call hard and another guy calls hard is two different things. So um, it, it's hard to find that right piece there and making sure everybody's talking on the same page. That's why I like to do it in person because it's fun when you're working with folks and they're calling, you can tell in their face when they really like it or when they don't. And they just say, hey, that's good enough. Or they're worried about taking up too much time. And I'll tell them, no, you don't like that. You really don't like that. And um, and then you get it right. You can see their face lighting up when they like it. So um, I think that's what part of makes it fun and, and just really cool to see a guy who comes and gets a new duck call when they really like it. You know, it just fits them. Are, are you help them hit a lick they want they hit right so yeah that's good for people to know that they can they can send it in but you know obviously it's it's always better in person if you can get in get to Stuttgart and get to the shop and and get that thing tuned up I know a lot of people like to do that uh, when they come in town that first weekend of uh, duck season I'm sure you guys are 
always slammed with people coming in there and, and tuning calls. But but the reality is people should be doing it this time of year rather than uh, opening weekend, right? Yeah. You know, right now is a good time to, to be practicing. So here we are, middle of July. We just talking earlier about it's hot. Um, I still like to spend all the time outside. I can, even when it's hot, I'm out in shade or doing something. But with that, you know, go practice in the evenings, during the day, back and forth in the truck. It's a good time of year to, to practice up on your duck calling and get yourself in shape. Because one of the things I see a lot of is a guy will come this time of year and get his duck call set up. And, and that's good. Then come duck season, he starts off with it fine. But after he's blowing every day for a couple of weeks, you build up a little air. You build up a little strength. So now you're blowing harder and you're hunting. So you, you got more air. And now the call becomes too easy to blow a lot of times for folks. Mm-hmm. So then you come back and get it set up. So if you blow enough this time of year, you'll keep, you'll keep yourself up, you know, and you get yourself in shape. Contest guys, that's a big thing. You know, you go pick up a call right now and go to blow a routine. If you've not been practicing, you can tell a world of difference in it. Your cheeks get sore. You run out of air. You don't think a duck calling being much of a physical deal, but surprisingly enough, it is. And you think about yourself in days where you've got to blow your guts out, how tired you'll get. Oh, yeah. Now, a funny story, actually. You know, I didn't, I guess I probably didn't spend enough time uh, calling last year and uh, I for the spec opener, um, the early season, I uh, went over to Arkansas to our place and, uh, you know, there's two or three of us in a, in a pit and we were, had a bunch of specs coming around and I start hitting that spec call and, it, and the, 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 I have put a lot more, I, I don't put a, I don't use as much air probably as you do or, or don't blow as hard. Um, and I get to just hammering on that spec call. Next thing I know, my diaphragm is cramped up and I'm about keeled over in the bottom of the pit. Um, and, <laughs> that's, and that's what that was. I mean, that's just, you know, something I didn't do it a lot. And then next thing you know, I just hop in, hop in the blind and start hammering on that call. And, you know, I'm getting cramps and, you know, like you said, your cheeks are sore, you know, everything about it, just, just not spending enough time. So this, this summer for sure, um, I personally have been spending a little bit more time with my calls than I have in the past. And I, I, I'm hoping that that, you know, uh, that'll help me avoid the, uh, the cramp up in the, in the bottom of the bond. Oh, I promise you it will. Um, it'll make a world of difference, especially spec call. You know, you put a lot of air in them things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that you're blowing hard, but it's volume of air or duck call. And you're break, if you're breaking high ducks and whatever, it's, uh, it's it's more taxing than folks think it is, really. But that's part of why we do it, right? Keeps us keeps us strong and going. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. I know I follow you on Instagram and uh, see you posting stuff, and I see that you have had a summer full of puppies. So let's talk about those puppies. Yeah, so kind of cool. We was looking to get a litter out of Charlie. Um, My buddy Tyler Patterson, who up at Sure Shot Retrievers, trains her. Um, she's a Grand Hunt Retriever champion, champion, master hunter, and one master national pass. And we bred her with our co-host, Sean Stahl, has a field champion that's a bonus size duck dog. Now, for folks that don't understand that, we talked about it on the Perina DU 
deal I did a couple weeks ago. But he is a bona fide field trial dog. Went to the sixth or seventh series of last year's national after he came home from a big hunting trip in Canada. So you hear a lot of people say, man, field trial dogs can't hunt. You know, hunt test dogs can't hunt. Well, those two bona fide duck and goose fetchers right there that we bred for not just because of who they are, but what they are. So Charlie's got a big motor, lots of go, um, good marker. Carl's a good marker with a lot of go, and he's a thinker. Um, and we think these puppies ought to be pretty nice. So wound up taking to Texas. Had to do a, that's what Carl was wintering at in Texas. So took her down there and um, had to have an AI done because Charlie, she she's a female that hikes her leg when she pees. So she uh, she she wasn't really in, in, up with this whole deal. So uh, we went to vet, did AI deal, and wound up the 25th of April. Kind of messed up my turkey season a little bit, but it was okay because it's, it's enjoyable to raise this litter puppy. So I got to tell you this whole story. So 25th of April. She uh, had nine of them little evil boogers Ooh. on a Saturday morning. And I'd been up all night, you know, trying to sleep in the chairs, been on the phone with my buddy, Ira McCauley, and who's a vet. And, and he's like, he's, I was like, man, Josh, she, she, I don't know what's going on. She's been panting all night. He's like, a watch pot never boils. Just let Mother Nature have some time. So um, here they come, you know, started. And, man, she had no problem. She delivered nine healthy little black puppies and my daughter jenna was there with me she was a big help trying to get them up and running uh you know you have them pretty quick charlie wasn't necessarily getting them all cleaned up good you know and getting their placentas off and all that so my daughter was helping me do that so one of them one little puppies come out quite a bit smaller than the rest of them and this is where the story gets kind of fun so looking at the x-rays about a week before she whelped, there was one puppy in there. You could see an x-ray that looked like his neck was turning really bad. Kind of like if you would take your finger, like you were pulling the trigger, and just curve the tip of your finger down. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my, this puppy might not come out right, you know. Um, so we kind of think the small one was that that one was, looked like his neck was crooked. So, man, she got him up and going. He went to squeaking and squealing. We just called him Tiny because he was the smallest one we kind of had a name for each puppy just our own personal name that we yeah talked to him about you know as we were raising this litter we give them all different color collars so we keep track of and so anyway um my daughter jenna got kind of close to tiny there because he he struggled a little bit he was the smallest one and uh, we wound up said well we'll just keep keep you know she kind of talked me into it but i guess she I like to tell folks she really worked hard at it, but she really didn't. I just decided <laughs> to keep one. Um, you know, of course, Charlie's only five. She's still got several good years left, but we'll see if little Tiny makes it. His name has stuck, so he is Tiny. Well, that's awesome. What are you, what are you working with him right now? I mean, that's such a, you know, such a young dog. I mean, how do you start that process? Man, you know, he's just 11 weeks old, so we're, we're doing some treat training trying to get him to understand, you know, he, he kind of knows to sit when you tell him to sit. Um, if you got a handful of dog food, he'll come, he'll hear and sit. Um, I've taught him to get up. I got a stump in the backyard and a, and a Momar's final stand. I used to kind of get him used to getting up there. So on how to climb up on things, you know, hunting in the woods, I'm always big on my dogs. I talk to them like they're a person, get up there, get on there, you know, and they, they, they pick that up. So, but you want to be in the woods and get on that log, you know, and you kind of point just to kind of help them get up and 
and get out of the water, right, or get somewhere yeah. dry. So we're working on that. We're working on sit. We're doing some retrieving, um, trying to make sure he's got plenty of desire, which he seems to have plenty of that. Um, we're not necessarily doing any big marks, just going and getting him used to it. And mm-hmm. I've kind of introduced a lead. Um, i got a little short lead that he can drag around and get used to that and just little things. You know, and each week we'll, we'll either toughen it up, make these things a little harder, or add something. So um, this week we're adding a little more to the to leash training. We're going to start learning a little bit about healing and having some good manners on lead. And that kind of turns into good manners off lead. And when he's six months old going to a trainer, uh, when I swap him and Charlie out, he'll have a little bit of a head start, we hope. So that's the kind of things you do. Main thing, keep it fun. You know, don't do it long. Like this yep. morning we went back to the reservoir behind the house, you know, um, we spent 10, 15 minutes just playing around, getting in water, getting wet, doing some uh, landmarks off the top of the levee and just, you know, just little stuff, you know, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing major. And it's, it's working. You can kind of see him progressing all along. Now he, he's kind of hard headed like his mama. Sometimes here don't mean here. And sometimes sit don't mean sit, but we'll get to that. Yeah. You got at 11 weeks, you got, you're just uh, adding the building blocks right now. This is, uh, you know, that you got a lot of time and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of training to do to get them to where you're, they're answering to everything that, that you're asking. That's cool. That's, that's exciting. Always fun. You know, and I thought, man, I really don't need to keep a puppy. Like I said, Charlie, this, this little guy, he'll be, when he's two years old and ready to go, Charlie would just be towards still on the backside of her prime, but still going hard and thinking, well, hopefully I feel hunt enough and be going hard enough that I can justify having two of them, you know? So time will tell the man, them puppies, like you just said, puppies are fun. Oh, yeah. They are. They're, they're awesome. a pain, but they're fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I, right, right as soon as I said that, as that was coming out of my mouth, I started thinking like, oh, my gosh, there's so much work. But they are awesome. They're, it, and it's a super rewarding process. And it, it's all part of the process of being a duck hunter, too. Um, you know, you it's a year-round deal that, you know, now you've got dog work and, you know, something to keep your – keep your mind busy in this, you know, mid to late July when it's hot and, you know, looking around at, at what, what you're going to do, you, you know, you can focus on what you're doing with the dog and, and it still keeps you in that duck hunting mindset. You bet. And here, here's something else too about raising a litter of puppies. Like I said, you know, I've, I've kind of muddy grubbed around about man, cause I, I'm, I love the turkey hunt, love turkeys like I do ducks. Um, man, I stuck with these puppies and I thought, you know, it really ain't all bad. You know, bringing a whole new litter of duck dogs into the world and helping them out and just raising that litter of puppies and keeping them healthy and safe and doing good. Man, that, that was, I, I really enjoyed that this year. Now, I don't know if I want to do it again or not, but it was enjoyable. I was going to say, you want to do it again next summer? I don't know. I might, I might, might not. Uh, spring and summer puppies are easier than wintertime puppies, though. You know, I, I built me a, uh, for anybody listening that, that's, in raising dogs, I built me like a puppy airing pen that I could just put them in, put them out there with water, and just they had an area they could run around in, play, and do whatever outside when the weather was nice. And that made a world of difference right there. Yeah. Being able to, and that gave you a place to put them and go clean up the whelping box when they got out, once their eyes got open, and it just made life easier. But <laughs> I'll tell you this, and we can move on. One of the funnest things is in the mornings. So I'd get up to go feed them in the morning. So we had them in the living room, and then we moved the welcome box to my shop. Because, you know, through 
April, May, still, you know, cool mornings and then mosquitoes getting bad. I sure didn't want them out in the big kennel, so I put them in my shop. So I'd sneak in there in the mornings. I'd sneak in the back, especially we started whelping, started the weaning process. It was fun. You could sneak up on them and they'd be asleep or they'd kind of look at you sleepy-eyed. And, and you'd go, morning, guys. And all them little buggers would go to barking and jumping up and down. That's just fun stuff, man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's That sounds great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Hey, before I let you go here, I just, we kind of talked about it offline a little bit, but, um, you know, let's just give, give our listeners and our audience just a general idea of what, you know, some of the, um, conditions look like there in your area around Stuttgart, you know, what you're seeing, um, it looks, you know, you kind of mentioned that, that crops are looking pretty good and, uh, you know, so how's it looking around there? Here on the prairie, man, crops are looking good. All the grass is green. Um, I, I was, up in the hills over the weekend at Heber Springs, and I know it's coming home through there. All the pastures are pretty and green still. Um, everybody's mowing a bunch. Crops look good. Things look good. My only concern on the flip side of all this water is we still got water in the bottom. We got timber still got water on it that's had water on it since last duck season. And that's, uh, that's concerning to me. I, I'm concerned of... Uh, um, our woods, you know, and making sure that our woods are healthy. Just wondering how it's going to be. That sustained flooding through the spring and summer is really hard on our hardwoods. So yeah, that's a concern. Yeah, and that brings to light, you know, when you've got that water on the on the bottoms down there, you know, that can in- impact mass production um, as far as you know acorn growth and tree growth and tree, you know, it it can stun them a little bit, and and it's not good for overall tree health. Yep. Yeah, it's it's just not good, and that's something that, you know, I know you've been a part of that that process and in, in working with Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to, you know, kind of bring to light some of those issues of of keeping that water on the habitat is uh, is is really detrimental. So you bet, man. It, it, you know, not only mass production, like you said, it, you know, tree health. You know, even though that water is moving, trees can get a little oxygen out of moving water that they can't get out of stagnant water. You can tell just, you know, a red oaks are getting in bad shape in the bottoms. Some of the WMAs, there's been some big timber losses. So that's a concern of, uh, of all the water on the woods. You know, the rest of things looks good. Uh, more soil, people that's planting millet and whatnot be thinking about getting ready to do some of that. Um, you know, habitat-wise, we're good in that respect, except I'm a little concerned of, of the bottoms. But a lot of the big private tracts of woods, people have been able to keep water off of them. Um so things ought to be be right. And also keep in mind on your mass crop that it's not it's the this spring's mass crop will be was decided two years ago. So yeah. whatever happens this year will affect two years, not the next year, but the second year. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks don't realize that. Yeah, that's correct. That's a good point. Well, Jimbo, this has been great. I'm glad having you on. Um, really appreciate you joining us. This is fantastic. We'll have to have you back on here probably within about a month. We'll we'll catch up and 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 definitely see how Tiny's doing. There you go. We'll give you a tiny update. Um, <laughs> tiny we update. Try to do a little tiny update. I, I was going to call him Clarence, but my girl said no. He's just always going to be tiny. So <laughs> tiny. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, keep mind too. Here's one quick thing. I'll let you go. Um, July. Everybody thinks it's the middle of July that duck season's a long way off and it's hot and it's horrible. But look here, folks. I promise you, if you get here before quick, get ready. Um, we'll get through, we're halfway through July, be August, and the teal season in September and downhill from there. So 
if there's projects you need to get done or stuff you need to get ordered or want to get, now's a good time to start looking at it. Yep, that's an awesome point. Appreciate you pointing that out. Now, now's the time to to get after it and get prepared for season. But I appreciate you joining me. Hey, anytime, brother Chris. Let's do it. Again. Be sure and tell everybody to tune in to RNTV Saturdays on the Sportsman Channel. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. I'd like to thank Jimbo Ronquest from RNT for joining us today. We had some great conversations about calling and even his new dog, Tiny. Uh, I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for doing a fantastic job of getting the podcast out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. <laughs>